Hello everyone and welcome to the Frog and the Dragon. It's Bengal Foil, once again joined by... Rupert Thing, hi there, hope you're doing alright. We're having a great time. So, I'm going to be real, this is going to be a real heavy episode and we're not going to be doing as much dilly-dallying as we usually do. This was a yeah, pretty hectic week in terms of Magic announcements where they just kind of... Absolutely. They laid all the cards on the table and showed off a bunch of stuff, you know. Make sure you go ahead and check out maybe things like the show notes or listen up to the this episode again if you uh, or just grab a cup of coffee because grab a cup that's of going coffee. that's going to be a long one. Absolutely, we're gonna go a mile a minute here. <laughs> so, uh, the three things we're going to be talking about are a new draft format the Wizards has announced, the mm. Magic the Gathering timeline for 2021, and finally the Zendikar rising expansion and everything that comes with it as they basically spoiled the entire set for us during the week so let's start off with probably the shortest thing on the list here rupert what is supreme draft okay so supreme draft is basically a new format that's aimed at player that's players that got way too much money um (laughs) no um but other than that uh it's a draft format that's really aimed at um fan either phantom play or uh just online play um or as i said people that uh got tons of money to uh spend on sharing a booster box between two players yes sir. so so thing about supreme draft is it's advertised as drafting without waiting yes so what what that means in practice is that each player gets 18 packs and that is because per pack, um, you open, you take two cards, and then you put the pack away, opening the next one. So you don't have to wait for yep. packs to rotate. There is no passing, and the cards that you don't take are entirely removed from the draft and from the game. You will never see those exactly. cards ever again. Yeah. And as Rupert said, yes, with your 18 packs, you go ahead and take two, take two, take two. And so you mm-hmm. get two times 18 cards, that's 36 cards, and you build your deck with that. So and generally, it feels a little bit more akin to, I don't know, sealed, sealed I guess, probably. Yeah. Um, something that Wizards actually mentioned on their website is, um, in the article about this, was if, let's just say, let's say, like, particularly because of quarantine, you and, you and your roommate, you have a booster box, you were thinking to do an eight-man mm. draft, but you can't anymore. You yep. and your buddy can each take that booster box, take half of it each, open up, do a supreme draft, and mm. then... After you're done doing your Supreme Draft, use all the scrap you had left over to build a sealed deck. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is a pretty cool way of using up a a booster box, you know, if you just have it sitting yeah. around. In the same way where, like, there's things like pack wars for people who just like buying a pack on impulse, this is kind of for those people that buy a booster box when the set comes out and want to do something <laughs> besides yeah. just count up the money that they may have earned from it. Mm. Um, yeah. In terms of playing it, as Rupert said, it is primarily online you can play it on ntgo for 10 tickets or 10 dollars and it is a Mm. phantom event so you will not get to keep your cards from this um Mm. so while the set this format does have some downsides in terms of the finance and the fact that it's phantom you do end up with a much more powerful deck than you would with a classic probably yeah um because well you're not being passed like this you know it's like pick 32 and so and suddenly you're being handed a bunch of junk you know like there yeah. is you are picking the good cards also yeah. it does enable like, i have i have sure i'm just go also going to say it does enable combo quite it quite nicely because you're mm. picking two cards at a time so Absolutely. that's pretty neat what were you going to say yeah. 
Uh, yeah, just this aspect of picking two cards at a time feels really familiar with uh, those people. Or probably for those people that tried the Double Masters draft, because... Yeah, um, your first pick was two cards exactly, Double Masters. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, as they well, just pick the good stuff. <laughs> in terms of cube, if you want to Supreme Draft your cube, you will need a minimum of... If it's a two-man draft you're doing, you're going to need a minimum of a 540-card cube. Yep. Because, again, 36 packs with 15 cards each is 540. Yep. If you were a madman and wanted to do a Supreme Draft in person, <laughs> it would require four booster packs of a set that has 36 packs per box. So you're talking any standard legal set for the most part. Um, like... It would cost you nearly four hundred euros slash four hundred dollars if you're talking about a hundred quid boxes. So like, like you could build a full, a quite a nice cube for four hundred dollars. So I wouldn't recommend supreme drafting in person. But hey, maybe not. Go for it if that's your deal. Um, but yeah, all I can say as well is that this makes a really neat chaos draft format where like chaos drafts mm, often yep. get kind of bogged down because like, oh, I'm trying to draft stuff from you know i'm trying to draft like energy counters from a kaladesh booster and then i'm trying to draft landfall from a zendikar booster with chaos draft you yeah. get rid of some of the clunkiness of chaos draft by you know only picking the good cards you're not getting stuck with weird unique set mechanics that don't yeah. fit anything uh mtgo mm-hmm. did this recently by doing a supreme draft featuring all of the ravnica sets which worked quite nicely mm. together um, they're yeah. doing it currently with Modern Horizons, which is a very interesting environment that um, yeah. I've seen some people play it. I want I haven't gotten around to drafting it myself, but it looks really fun. Um, yeah. I don't really have much else to say about um, Supreme Draft. Like we'd love to try it out a little bit more before we have much else to say in it. But like you know, if yeah, any of you guys, we'll definitely give it a try once we see each other again, right? Exactly. Like, and once we were I... missing quite a lot of pre-releases uh, due to COVID, sure. and um, um, we're just well, doing a big. 2020 chaos draw <laughs> for sure we also need to get back in the habit of building bigger cubes because all of our recent cubes are 360 card which you cannot <laughs> supreme draft with even with just two we people need to upgrade indeed moving on from there let's talk about the timeline for 2021 so there are yes. seven main sets and we're gonna mm-hmm. go quarter by quarter and just go through each set that's here so rupert what's in q1 of 2021 for us Okay, so first set that's coming out in 2021 is a standard legal set called Kaldheim. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's Kaldheim about, Ben? So Kaldheim is a couple of things. We've seen Kaldheim once before on a plane chase card called Skybreed, mm-hmm. and it looks like a very icy world. Um, in fact, the word uh, Kaldheim, if you take it from like the northern germanic languages, actually translates mm-hmm. to cold home or cold land. So yeah. very much a cold themed set. The thing yeah, if I remember correctly, they also called it um, or described it as a little bit Viking themed or something along bit, that line. Yes, they did say it all, that all right. Um, something we might, something that they have confirmed for us is that there will be modal mm-hmm. double faced cards. That's like just from the horse's mouth. Modal double faced cards are a thing. Yeah. Other notable things about Kaltheim is that the Planeswalker Angrath is from here. That's the Minotaur Planeswalker. Um, mm. He his whole deal was that he went planeswalking and was like looking for gift, and he always brings back gifts for his wife and kids, which is very wholesome. And he, and like and he makes water burn. Apparently. And he makes but... water burn. Yes. Um, the <laughs> fact that Kaldheim is such a snowy place, maybe we'll see a return of Snowlands. This is me oh, yeah. completely talking off the cuff at this point. I have no idea. 
but it's it's very snowy, so maybe. Um, <laughs> another thing to mention is that um, it, we going back to plane chase the Skybreen card that is based mm-hmm. on Cal time. It's mm-hmm. a plane that lets players look at the top cards of their library, and spells that share a card with the top card of a library cannot be cast. So perhaps mm-hmm. there's some sort of like tribal or types matter thing that we can expect from this set where you know we care about a certain type of card Mm. i don't know that for certain that's again just me kind of talking about it (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah we don't really know much other than that though we also have in uh q1 a little bit after calheim we'll have time spiral remastered Wait, wait, wait. That sounds familiar. Yes, indeed. So the original Time Spiral was basically a nostalgia-themed set. It featured reprints mm-hmm. and mainly, and it also aimed to kind of tickle your nostalgia by bringing cards in their original border into this mm-hmm. otherwise black border set. So far, <laughs> they've confirmed three cards for the set, and they've shown off the arts of Relentless Rats, Path to Exile, and Chalice of the Void, all of which feature their really pretty original borders and they are time shifted for those of you that don't know time shifted cards there is going to be one in every booster pack and they will feature a purple set symbol um on the time shifted cards um there is a going to be a list of cards that can be time shifted and it's just a case Mm -hmm. of waiting for that list to come out if you want to get some sweet uh old-fashioned art of cards that you like um, they've confirmed that cards from Planar Chaos, Time Spiral, and Future Sight will appear in Time Spiral Remastered. Other than that, we don't really know much else. <laughs> okay. Moving on to Q2, Rupert. What's in Q2 of uh, 2021? Yeah, uh, we're heading straight to Hogwarts. Um, sorry, Absolutely. Strixhaven. Yes. Um, so this, this the set will be called Strixhaven School of Mages. Mm-hmm. And um, what this is about is that uh, Strixhaven is um, basically a more elite university compared to the uh, Telerian Academy. I guess yeah, it is. Yeah, like the the wiki has quoted it as being the most elite universe, university in the multiverse. And it will feature mm. five colleges which battle out with their own take on magic. So hey, five colleges, five colors. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a monocolored set. <laughs> yeah. Um... Other than that, again, this the only thing that has been confirmed is that modal double face cards will make an appearance here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be a standard legal set. Um, the only other thing, this is again me kind of talking out, talking, talking just ideas. It's a school mm-hmm. of mages, so there's probably going to be lots of wizard synergy. Probably, and notably, like, I think we might yeah. see the return of a certain planeswalker, Kazmina. Casmina, uh-huh. her full oh. title being Kazmina Enigmatic Mentor. So maybe mm-hmm. she's a teacher at the School of Mages. Because other than that, we don't really know much about her. Okay. Um, as well, the fact that they say it's a an elite university in the multiverse, like as if it's known mm-hmm. across the planes. Maybe this is me reading too much into it, but I'm like, maybe this is a place where we'll be introduced to the idea of planeswalking as being something more common. Maybe, yeah. Again, that's me speculating. No one has said this. This is just me spitting. <laughs> so don't go telling your friends that, hey, in Strixhaven, there's going to be common rarity planeswalkers around. This mm-hmm. is just me kind of throwing ideas out. <laughs> uh, but anyways, probably many, uh, probably lots of spell slinging happening. So Absolutely. As usual. Let's move on to the next one. Yes, Rupert. Big one. Big, big one. We got... Dungeons and Dragons: Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. 
They did it. So they finally did yes. it. <laughs> they have basically they have now made it. The world of Dungeons and Dragons and the world of Magic the Gathering are the same universe. They have kind yeah. of done this already. Those of you that already play D and D may be familiar with the fact mm. that they made some um, expansion books for Magic mm. the Gathering. So you could run like a Ravnica themed D and D campaign. Um, but they did it now in Magic, where you, we are going to go to Forgotten Realms, the place that D&D is set, and do a set there. Um, we don't know, again, we don't really know much about the set. We know that it's going to basically replace the core set for that year. So it'll probably yep. be a relatively simple set aimed at getting... I'd imagine this is Magic trying to get into the D&D pie and sort of bring yeah, some probably, D&D players to probably. Magic. In the same yep. way how the Ravnica D&D book brought Magic players to D&D. Mm. Um, maybe we'll see a return of an upcoming mechanic from Zendikar, the party mechanic, probably, which we'll talk probably. to later on, yep. um, because the new Zendikar set definitely has some Dungeons and Dragons vibes to it. Absolutely. But other than that, uh, we don't really, again, we don't know a whole lot about it, but a Dungeons and Dragons themed magic set sounds real sick. Yeah. And moving on to Q4, we've got Modern Horizons 2, and... This will be, again, a reprint set. It'll be a modern legal set, but it will not be standard legal. So, again, like the original Modern Horizons. Mm. Nothing really is known about it, bar one key fact. Fetchlands will be reprinted (laughs) in regular booster packs. The enemy Fetchlands, the one that we're waiting for. They will be reprinted in regular boosters. And Modern Horizons 2 is a print-to-demand set. So for as long as customers keep buying packs of it, they will print it. Meaning, is this a time to celebrate? I don't know. <laughs> like, it means now that hopefully the prices of those fetch lands will finally start dropping a little bit. Please. Um, Please. So, yeah, Modern Horizons 2, very excited for that. Yeah. And well, yeah, after that, in Q4, we're going back to my favorite plane being. Many people's favorite plane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Beautiful, dark Innistrad. And we're not only we're we're not getting just one set, we're getting two. Yes. So they haven't really explained fully how this is going to work, but there's going to be two mm-hmm. Innistrad sets released, not at the same time, but in close proximity to each other in Q4, and yep. they will both be standard legal. And it's Innistrad Werewolves and Innistrad Vampires. We don't have a clue how this is going to work or what's going to happen. Again, this is the last set that comes out in Q4, so it's nearly an entire. It's over an entire year away. Yeah. The only thing that they've hinted at is that in the vampires set there will be a wedding somewhere in the storyline. So Uh-oh. you know, start getting your uh, your ships ready as to who is going to marry who. <laughs> you know, is Olivia Voldaren going to marry Soren Markov? I don't know. Um, yes, please. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know enough about the lore on Innistrad to really make any comments about it. But you know, start planning your weddings right about now. <laughs> okay then. So that's. Let's uh, move to yeah. the one that's. Uh, this will probably well. be our our big bulk of our episode here. Let's talk about Zendikar Rising, the next mm-hmm. uh, Magic the Gathering set that is coming out. So Zendikar Rising. Uh, this is our third time going to Zendikar I think at this point and for those of you that went to Zendikar last time for battle for Zendikar it was very much focused on the Eldrazi there is no Eldrazi anymore Zendikar Rising is aimed at bringing back the spark of original Zendikar focusing on Mm -hmm. the adventuring aspect the fact that Zendikar is a living landscape where you know you can't map Zendikar because the mountains physically move 
So we're going mm-hmm. back to that really adventurous route. So yeah. let's let's first uh, address, I guess, the big money ballers in the room. Expeditions yeah. are back for Zendikar, as they were in previous Zendikar. Oh, so, boy. What do I mean by an expedition? So these are special art versions of cards that are not standard legal, and they will appear in as box toppers in uh, in this set. They will appear as box toppers for collector's boosters, set boosters, draft boosters, mm-hmm. and what's the other booster? There's another booster that I can't remember. There's four. There's fucking four types of boosters in this in <laughs> uh, in this set, and. You will get an expedition if you buy a booster box of any of them. We mm. will break this down a little bit further, but let's explain what these expeditions are, of what they exactly are. They are going to have beautiful art, and the art has already been revealed. Top-notch, unique borders, gorgeous. So your expeditions, your box toppers, what these will be, will feature either a fetch land, all ten of them up for grabs, Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the five ally-colored lands, the battle bond lands, the ones that enter tapped unless you control two or more opponents. There mm-hmm. will be the five ally-colored fast lands. And then mm-hmm. there will be ten lands that are kind of just from throughout Magic's history. So it's either going to be Ancient Tomb, Cavernous Souls, Prismatic Vista, Wasteland, Celestial Colonnade, Creep and Tar Pit, Grove of the Burn Willows, Horizon Canopy, Strip Mine, or Valakut the Molten Pinnacle. So you got 30 things that you could theoretically get as your box topper expedition. Like, the thing I notice is that pretty much none of them is really that useless. Like, no, like, they're all pretty good. Like, you're going to be happier like, with... Sh- sure, you, you're going to be shooting for the fetches, but... Yeah, like, you're going like, to... But, like, yeah. there, there doesn't like, feel like there's any duds. Because even yeah. comparing it to, I think, the other Zendikar... Um, back in Battle for Zendikar, I'm pretty sure there was like some that were there. Were, a lot of them were like the. I think there's cycle of check if you have two or more basics were in there, and they just weren't as good, you know. Mm. But hey, I mean, I'm always happy for more bling. Um, the notable thing, unlike with Battle for Zendikar, these do not appear in regular booster packs. You will mm-hmm. not just you will not pull a, an expedition in your draft. Yeah, but like. This might be a bad thing for those people that are buying singular boosters, but for those people that just grab a ton of boxes, um, a guaranteed expedition per box is actually pretty neat. Like These are all really nice cards to get. Um, Again, market's messy right now, so putting prices on anything is probably a bit unrealistic, but like Creeping Tar Pit um, is probably the least valuable of them. From just the mm. curtsy look I gave. In terms mm. of how you get them, again, because there's so many boosters, it's kind of annoying, but you can find non foil expeditions as your box topper for set boosters, collector boosters, and draft booster box toppers. So if you buy a box of any of these uh, types of things, you will get a non foil for set and draft boosters. If you buy a collector booster box, you will get two box toppers which will be a foil expedition each Mm. you will also be able to get a you will also be able to pull expeditions in collector's boosters at a rate of one in every six boosters Mm -hmm. so if you buy a collector's booster box which contains 12 packs theoretically you're walking out with four expeditions on average because you get your two from the box topper and you get your two from your one in six booster ratio 
pretty, pretty sweet. The fact that, Not like, that. I, again, it's kind of big money, whatever, but you don't have to buy it. You know, it, the fact that, you know, we're going to get our Fetchland reprints in Modern Horizons 2 means, hey, yeah. at least we can get them in another way. Mm-hmm. Again, it's kind of frustrating that we don't have it now, but at least we know it's coming. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you're looking to bling out a commander deck or a cube, this is an excellent option. Yeah. So, enough of the expeditions. Rupert, let's get into the mechanics of Zendikar. Sure so, thing. there are going to so... be four main mechanics. What's the first one we got here? Okay, so the first one is the return of um, some players' favorite mechanic, um, being Kicker. So, what Kicker does, it basically provides your spell with um, a different mode. Um, because while you're casting your spell, you can decide on casting the Kicker spell, uh, the Kicker cost for it. Yeah, so it's an additional um, cost. Do we have a nice example for that? Sure. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's have a look at the new Jace. So... The new Jace that's coming in the Zendika set. This is Oops. also the first time a Planeswalker has ever gotten Kicker. <laughs> true, true. So yeah, um, normally Jace would um, be costing one generic and two blue. But you could also pay two more generic um, to have him kicked. And that does the following thing. Um, so when Jace Mirror Mage enters the battlefield, if Jace was kicked, create a token that's a copy of Jace Mirror Mage, except it's non-legendary and it's Starting loyalty is one. Yeah, so you're you're paying an extra cost to get some extra value. So it really is a wonderful mechanic in particular for draft because it allows mm-hmm. spells that are normally kind of only good in the early game to really shine later in the game. Yeah. Because in the case of this Jace here, he has, he's a three mana four loyalty planeswalker. His plus mm-hmm. one is to scry two and his zero ability is to draw a card and reveal it. Um, you remove a number of loyalty counters equal to its converted mana cost. So cool. you can kind of see how he's supposed to interact with his double, basically. Yeah. The one scrying and the other one taking advantage of that. Exactly. Um, but again, paying three mana for a Planeswalker that just gives you some cards, that's pretty okay. But sure. getting two of them is even better. Um, yeah. Another example here, something... Because let's be real, Jace is a mythic. You're not going to see him in draft all that often. Let's have a look at like Gnarled Colony, which is a 2-mana 2-2 beast. Mm-hmm. It has um, each creature you control with a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it has Trample, and it has Kicker for 2 and a green. So if you pay 5-mana total, uh, if Gnarled Colony was kicked, enter the battlefield, with it enters with 2 1-1 counters on it. So mm-hmm. you can pay 2-mana for a 2-2 that buffs your... that gives your dudes with counters Trample, or... You can pay 5 mana, and he's basically a 4-4 with Trample. Yeah. So, you can see how, like, if you draw Drew just the 2-2 on its own late in the game, you'd be kind of annoyed. But, like, the kicker really lets you get back into the game because by turning your early game things into late game threats. Another yeah. fine example here, again, it's a bit rare, it's a rare, so you might see it every day, is Inscription of Ruin. It's uh, mm-hmm. a black and 2, and has kicker for 2 and double black. You choose one of the following, or if the spell was kicked, you choose any number of the following. Target opponent discards two cards, return a creature with CMC two or less from grave to the battlefield, or destroy mm-hmm. a creature with CMC three or less. And, mm-hmm. you know, paying three mana for any one of those effects is kind of, eh. It's good. It's fine. You're paying the cost for the fact that it's a little bit modal. But kicker, yeah. you know, getting to blow something up, get something back, and make someone discard two cards? Pretty good. Yeah. 
again, you're, the flexibility is what you're paying the little bit of a premium for. But honestly, even out of these, like I think Narlet Colony is rock solid for, you know, absolutely five yeah. mana for a 4-4 four, four with Trample is a pretty reasonable rate. And then the each creature control with a counter on it gets Trample as well. That's, that's mm. not in a sniff at, like that can be relevant. It seems like a really, really solid common pick. I'm, I'm making, yeah, exactly. I'm making the note about Narlet just because he's a common, so you might see him a good <laughs> bit if my prediction is right. Um, yeah. Moving on to the next mechanic, we have party. So party is a mechanic based off the old D and D trope of the classic party, which consists of a cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. And mm-hmm. many spells in this in the set will have an effect that varies based on the number of members in your party. Uh, mm-hmm. Just some quick rulings real quick. A party only counts the unique party members. So if you have one cleric, one rogue, one warrior, one wizard, you have four creatures, one with each of those types, your party mm-hmm. size is four. But if you have, say, a battlefield with two rogues and two wizards, your party size is two. You need unique creatures with um, these um, with these types. Um, mm-hmm. A creature can only act as one party member. So, for example, if you have a changeling in play, it only counts towards a party of one. The same is yeah. true for any creature that has multiple types. So a warrior wizard only counts as one in your party. Yeah. Um, of the 104 or so creatures that we know of in the set, 71 of them are at least one of the types required for a party. So a lot of your picks in draft and things are likely going to fulfill a party just subconsciously. So um, this is the part where I'm really wondering um, how much uh, drafting for that party cards, yeah, <laughs> if I just call them like that, be, uh, yeah, will like, be a thing. Like, sure, um, it seems like something neat to have um by just drafting um, various cards and just have that by coincidence. But the way they announced and the the number of cards they announced for that um, mechanic is just really, really big to just... Yeah, like there's a lot of... Before just cards... being a, just a side thing, like... Yeah, like there's a lot know, of cards know. that definitely act on it. And again, I think the fact that you have cards in the set that don't require you to have a full party of like all four of them is really nice so i'm going to just Mm -hmm. take the example here of spoils of adventure it's for Mm -hmm. a white and a blue for an instant that reads you gain three life and draw three cards this Mm -hmm. spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party so this card can be at its best two mana gain three life draw three cards which is pretty damn solid but let's also just look at a more reasonable case scenario let's say you have a cleric and a rogue in play because, as we've described, there's lots of those in the set. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? Let's be even more realistic. A cleric and a wizard, because this is a white-blue card, and clerics are kind of white, wizards are generally blue. If sure. you have just one cleric and one wizard in play, this becomes four mana, gain three life, draw three cards. Mm-hmm. Think of a card like Divination, which is three mana to draw two cards. If you can make Spoils of Adventure just cost two mana less, it's better than Divination on a card-per-mana-wise scale. Yeah. So you don't need to necess- I don't think you'll need to necessarily draft full on party to make party work. It'll just be like, oh, this is kind of a nice bonus. Yep. Uh looking at some of the more exotic cards with the party mechanic, we've got a Tejuru Paragon Paragon, mm-hmm. which is a two mana three two. He's an elf, and he reads the following. 
uh, Tajiru Par- Paragon is also a cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. So this is kind of what I was saying with the changeling stuff. Yeah. This guy counts as all four of these creature types, but he will only count towards well, one only party one. member. Yeah. So if you've already got a wizard, cleric, and a rogue, you can say that he's the warrior of your party and make your party count full. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has a kicker, which when he enters the battlefield, if he was kicked, you reveal the top six cards of your deck and put a card that shares a creature type with it from among them into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So it's two mana, three, two with a kicker for three that lets you uh, search up essentially someone else to fulfill the party. Solid. Yeah. I like it. Um, and then here's another. Here's an example of something that demands a full party. It's a Lenvala Shield of the Seagate. Uh, one a blue and a white for a 3-3 three, three flyer. At the beginning of combat in your turn, if you have a full party, choose a target non-land permanent and opponent controls. Until your next turn, it can't attack or block and its abilities can't be activated. And you can sack mm-hmm. Lenvala to choose Hexproof or Indestructible to give your creatures that ability until end of turn. So mm. you can see that parties having a couple different things where like it's reducing the cost of stuff or it's just a condition that needs to be met. And oh. one more just for old time's sake, uh, Tazri Beacon of Unity is another card that co- that costs four and a white for a four six legendary human warrior. The he general's costs- back. Yep, General Tazri is back, but he's not an ally this time because there's no war on Zendikar anymore. Um, he costs one less for each creature in your party, or she, I should say. You can also pay. Um. Oh God, how do I say this? Two or a blue, two or a black, two or a red, two or a green. It's like hybrid color or two colorless. No. Um, so you can pay anywhere from 4 to 8 mana for this ability look at the top 6 cards of your library you may reveal up to 2 cleric, rogue, warrior, wizards and or allies from among them and put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom in a random order so you're getting a bit of card selection but unlike the original Tazri which just tutored for an ally this is letting you look at a couple cards for a variety of types I just think... looking at this card this kind of looks like it was designed for some sort of party commander deck because Absolutely. it enables all five colors um it enables parties like he himself or yeah. sorry she herself counts towards party yeah um as well i will also say this would make a really sweet changeling deck if you're looking for the party mechanic because oh yeah if you've got four changelings in play you can say that like you know that's a full party at that point and then <laughs> tazri's ability is just essentially draw two cards then at that point um yeah. but yeah Parody seems really interesting. I'll be curious to see how it goes. I feel like it's going to be more of a background mechanic where you're just getting bits of value here and there with things like Spoils for Adventure, but I'm mm. very excited to see what actually happens. Yeah. Um, Rupert, how about you hit us up with the next mechanic, which is another familiar face. Sure thing. Uh, guys, Landfall is back. <laughs> Who would have thought? Sure. Yeah, uh, we're on Zendika, so of course we're having lands again. Yes. Um, so what is so, landfall? Land, yeah, uh, landfall is a triggered ability that triggers um, every time a land enters play under your control. Yes. Um, so what it basically does, or what makes it the most interesting um, for us limited players, is that top decking a land late game isn't as bad as if you wouldn't ha- as when you wouldn't have landfall. Absolutely, like it. It makes you, if you've got a couple landfall creatures in play and you top deck a land, you might actually just be praying for the land because a land might be better than any individual creature in your deck. Yep. Um, a couple notable cards with it is um, Nissa of the Shadow Bows, which is 
again, the first example of a planeswalker with landfall. So mm-hmm. she's two, a green and a black, also notable. We've got Nissa splashing into black now. So Nissa has so far splashed yeah. into green, blue, and black. I can't wait to see one where she is all three of those colors at once. <laughs> anyway, four mana for full loyalty Nissa. Uh, she has landfall. When a land enters under your control, put a loyalty counter on her. Plus one to untap a land and have it become a 3-3 elemental with haste until the end of turn. It is still a land. And then you may minus five her to put a creature carried at mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control onto the battlefield from your hand or graveyard with two 1-1 one, one counters on it. So Hey, standard players. She's back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very reminiscent of the Nissa from War of the Spark um, untapping your lands and things like that. And again, that, that ability... Like, I should also say, like, that minus five ability there to dump a creature from your hand into play or from That's your graveyard. That's pretty solid. That's you could pretty theoretic- solid. You could, like, yeah, like, you can do that quite quickly as well. Because let's say no. it's let's say it's turn five, right? You go mm. you go four mana and play a land. So Nissa comes in on five. You can immediately minus five her and get that big creature out of your graveyard or, you know, with some extra counters on it or, you know, play a five drop from your hand but have it enter with counters on mm. it. Yep. Um, other than that, we've got a couple notable reprints. We've got Lotus Cobra, two mana, two, one snake at rare, which reads landfall. Landfall, whenever land enters under your control, add one mana of any color. Really mm. solid card. Excellent yep. color fixing. All around good snake. <laughs> <laughs> um and then I guess the last big one to mention, just because he's becoming a bit of an icon, uh, Omnath is reprinted once again, but he's now a four-color creature. So Omnath started as a one-color creature. He became angry Omnath with two colors. He got a third color added in Dominaria, I think, and now he's a four-color creature. Um, wow. So he is everything except for black. One of the everything except black for a 4-4 four, four legendary elemental. When he enters the battlefield, draw a card. We like that. And he has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, gain four life. If mm-hmm. this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, add a red, a green, a white, and a blue. If it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you control. S- sorry, each, pla- mm-hmm. each creature and planeswalker you don't control. So he really incentivizes you playing multiple lands a turn, be that either through effects that let you play more than one land or by playing ramp spells, such as, yep. you know, a rampant growth or something like that. Um, looks dead solid. <laughs> real, yeah. It's going to be a real cool commander deck. I can't wait for the five color one to come out so that you can play an Omnath <laughs> tribal deck. <laughs> yes. Um, but... Of course, these are, again, the flashy bears and mythics. We've got a lot of really solid commons here, too. Rupert, mm-hmm. any of these guys catching your eye here? Uh, not a common, but also the return of uh, a familiar face, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the crab's back again. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, uh, it's not the Hedron crab anymore, um, because, yeah, uh, as Ben said, the war's over, um, so we're dealing with the ruined crab now. And that's one blue for a zero three with landfall. That whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent mills three cards. So, Mill sub theme and draft, probably. Neat. Um, Hedron Crab, like at uncommon, good chance you can find a couple of these and get a nice mill deck going. Um, yeah. As well, 
Um, again, for those of you that haven't played the Hedron Crab, Hedron Crab is the same thing, but it mills four, I think. And yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, like this, I've seen like Saffron Olive, I think, and stuff talking about making a, you know, like a twelve crab deck where you play Rune Crab, Hedron Crab, and there's another crab that does another mill-ish effect. That yeah. seems real fun. Um, another card for me that's kind of standing out here is Fearless Pledgling. Mm-hmm. It's a 2-mana 1-1 one, one with landfall, and it has whenever land enters under your control, put a 1-1 one, one counter on the fledgling, and it gains flying until the end of turn. So, you know, this thing, if you play one land, it's a 2-2, two, two, which means a 2-mana two 2-2, two, two, it's fine. No. Anything after that second land, this card's just giving you value. Value, value, mm. value. And the fact, yeah, the flying doesn't stay forever, but like, this creature just keeps getting bigger and keeps swinging harder. I'm really liking the look of him. At Uncommon, mm. I would say I'd be inclined to pick him. Um, Probably him. One more early drop that's kind of caught my eye in the kind of aggro slot, just because I know you love your Boros aggro and draft reaper, is a comb Hellcat sure Hellhound. It's one mm-hmm. red for an elemental dog. It's a zero one, but it has landfall, give him plus two, plus two to lend a turn. So mm. if you go turn one, okay. play him, turn two, drop a land, you're swinging in with a two, three on turn two, you know? He's a pseudo one mana two three you know and yep. again if you can drop multiple lands a turn get that landfall trigger multiple times seems real solid yeah and let's move on to our last mechanic of the set rupert and this one's looking real neat i love the look of this yeah it's it's looking familiar but on the other it, side it's also not it, it's something old but done in a new way exactly double faced cards are back but mm-hmm. unlike the double-faced cards from, say, Innistrad, where the card would flip to its backside when a condition was met, these are cards that you can play them from your hand as whichever side you would like. Mm-hmm. And they are all, in fact, a spell on one side and a land on the other. So there's a mm. cycle of these at bo- at Mythic, Rare, and Uncommon. So, let me just give you an idea for these cards. So, looking at the Mythic slot, uh, Seagate Restoration is the blue one here, and it's four and triple blue for a sorcery. You draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand, plus one. You have no Mm -hmm. maximum hand size for the rest of the game. So, you can play it as a big, splashy seven-mana spell if you want, or Mm -hmm. you can play it as Seagate Reborn, which is a land that enters the battlefield tapped unless you pay three life, and it taps to add a blue. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a really bad Shockland or the this seven mana big draw spell. And no. the idea here is that you're getting really good flexibility because, you know, you mightn't normally keep your seven mana bomb in your hand in a normal draft. But if that mm. seven mana bomb can also be a land in a, in a pinch, that's yeah. really nice. Yeah. And... You know, again, there is no transforming of these cards. So, like, if you play Seagate Restoration as Seagate Restoration, you cannot play the land unless you somehow get the card back into your hand. Yep. The other notable thing is that none of these double-faced cards with the lands on them are typed at all, so they are not fetchable. That's another thing to know here. Rupert, how about you hit us up with, like, the uncommon ones? Okay, so, um, in white... We would have uh, Sajiri Shelter um, or Sajiri Glacier. Um, glacier? Glacier? 
glacier. I'm not sure glacier. about that. Yeah, <laughs> both, both are valid. Okay. You're not. Your English isn't your first language. You have an excuse. <laughs> okay. Uh. So the glacier one, um, being the land side of it, uh, forces you to play it tapped, and it adds one white. So that's not that great. But yeah. given that you also have the instant option, um, that's coming for a generic and a white mana. Uh, and reads target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Not bad. I really like this. Yeah. I love the flexibility it offers in the sense of like, you know, all the uncommon ones are enter the battlefield tapped and only tap for one color. But mm. the fact that in particular this one's an instant that you can like hold it up and kind of wait to see like, oh, will I draw a better land next turn? And then it's like, oh, I drew a good land. I drew a basic land on my next turn. I'll play the basic. But yep. if in a pinch you don't need it, you play the tapped side. And you can still yep. keep this instant up during your opponent's turn if you don't mm. want to play the land side immediately. Sure. Um, really solid. Again, there's a full cycle of these. I just picked out the white one because I thought it would be, it was, it was just interesting and struck out to me. That's a good example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of uh, flexibility, oh boy, there's a n- yes. The <laughs> Would you rares. like to do it? <laughs> sure. So the rares are feature a land on both sides, and it's either tap for one color or tap for the other. So the example here is Crag Crown Pathway and Timber Crown Pathway. The Crag Crown Pathway is a land that enters untapped, unconditional, and taps for a red. The Timber Crown Pathway taps for a green. So this is a really interesting way to do mana fixing, where mm. you're not getting something like a du- an original duel where it's, oh, whatever I want it to be, whenever I want it to be. This is a case of, you need red this turn, play the red yep. side. Oh, you need green, play it for the green side. Again, because there is no way to flip these on will, if you play the red side, you're stuck with the red side. Mm. But again, it's that flexibility. These things yep. are, because they enter unconditionally untapped. Just makes them really good. They are strictly better than basics, like. Yeah. With the exception of the fact that you can't fetch them, I guess. Um, so here's the deal, right? Like, let's say this is more talking standard and constructed, but like, if you're playing a red-green deck, mm. there's no excuse not to just play four copies of this. Yeah. And just do it. The only like they, they will flat out replace the Shotlands. So I... fear not, guys. You oh, still yeah. got your yeah. They're <laughs> gonna re- yeah. They'll replace the Shotlands in the sense that Shotlands are rotating out of standard. Um, yeah, one, yeah, that's the thing. One super notable thing to say though: this is not a full cycle, and it's not a mm. half cycle either. So let me just—I actually want to get this up just so that I get it right. So this is a cycle of six. Hmm. Which is really weird. Um, yeah. One second. I'm going to just go to Scryfall and just get them up just so that I'm completely accurate here. Um, T type land rarity is rare and from the set Zendikar Rising, ZNR. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a cycle of six. So, there is a green white one, mm-hmm. there's a white black, mm-hmm. there's blue black. Mm-hmm. Red green, mm-hmm. blue red, and okay, red safe. white. So, uh, so there. Okay. Is, so we are missing. We are missing red black, 
and we are missing mm. red. No, we're missing red, black. We are missing. Oh god, it's kind of confusing. But yeah, we're missing a handful of them. Basically, is what we're getting at. What I can mm. tell you is that we do have. Uh, no, we don't actually have all the green ones. The green one, though, there's only two green ones. Uh, yeah, you can look them yourselves. Um, go to Scryfall T Land R R S Zen um or Z N R. But yeah, it's not a full cycle. I I don't really. Know I just hope I I hope we get the rest in the other sets. Uh, like, like, please don't keep doing this this wizard with like, with the half cycles. Like, no. Thank Again, you. It's, I, to be honest, I wouldn't mind if it was a half cycle because a half cycle implies a full cycle later. Six of them is fair, just <laughs> but also I, oh, I just don't know. I don't get it. Um, yeah. Someone offered an explanation, but I can't remember what it was. Um, as in, someone in a Reddit thread offered an explanation, but I can't remember. Mm. I think someone said about balancing it with the triomes, but eh, uh, that's kind of weak. Um, not sure, but whatever. So to summarize. Um, the lands you have uncommon, they're tap lands at rare, they are one of two lands, and then at mythic they are either a really, really bad shock land mm. or a powerful spell um, yeah. there are also I should say as well, it's not just limited to instants and sorceries that just happens to be the example we gave, there are permanents that have this as well, like there's enchantments and I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there definitely is creatures as well that have this, I think, that have creatures on one side, lands on the other. So, mm. yeah, definitely uh, give it a look. There is quite some neat stuff. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm looking... Maybe there, No, there isn't any creatures. It's all enchantments, instants, and sorceries, I believe. But they are so thought no, seasonal, never mind. aren't never they? Mind. I, did, I did find a creature that has it. The black uncommon oh, okay. one is a 3-mana 2-3 two, three with menace. And mm. it gets plus 3 plus 0 oh, as long as an opponent has 8 or more cards in their graveyard. And then its oh. land side is a land that taps for a black but enters tapped. So, yeah, yeah th it is any permanent type could theoretically get this land treatment. Mm. And mm. again, played as one side or played as the other. So Rupert, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So Rupert, I think it's time to close up. Let's talk about our card of the week. Sure. So, so speaking yeah. of Innistrad, uh, this is a card I think from when you started playing the game, Rupert. It is actually. This is yeah. Shadows of Innistrad. Yeah, Shadows. So yeah. it's another flip card, actually. Funnily enough, it's Startled Awake and Persistent mm -hmm. Nightmare. So Startled mm -hmm. Awake is a sorcery for four mana. Target opponent mills thirteen cards. Ouch. Uh, out, uh, which again in a draft or a limited environment that's a lot it also that's has pay 5, put Startled Awake from the graveyard, from your graveyard onto the battlefield transformed and mm -hmm. this ability only as a sorcery okay the transformed side, Persistent Nightmare is a 1-1 one, one with Skull which means it cannot be blocked by creatures with greater power so with it being a 1-1 one, one, it's gonna hit most time, you know? sure um, it also reads, when Persistent Nightmare deals combat damage to a player, return it to its owner's hand. Oh no, it's coming back. It's coming back. It's a Persistent Nightmare. So, yeah. I really like this this card. Mm. It's, again, in a limited environment, it's a mana sink for one thing. Yeah. It gives you, you know, a really deep mill. Like, again, you start with a 40 card deck, you draw 7, mm. and then yeah. milling 13, that's 20 cards deep, and then... Mm. 
assuming you're casting this turn four, they're down five extra, four to five extra cards. Like you're very deep into the deck at that point. Yeah. And you know, if you're looking to push a mill strategy, this might actually be a really neat bomb for that deck. Having this sort of yeah. persistent outlet, it is hella slow. Sure thing, but like if supported with other things. If supported, I'd say, yeah, give it a look. Again, like, yeah. card of the week isn't necessarily an all-star. It's just, hey, have, <laughs> Interesting this, thing. have this in the back of your mind. Um, yeah. Again, if I want to be really cheeky, this can be an infinite mana sink. Where, with uh, Skull Clamp. <laughs> if you have um, infinite mana, and this is r slash bad MTG combos stuff <laughs> right here. Generate infinite mana, infinite blue mana, cast startle the mm. week, um, yeah. pay the five mana to put it back into the battlefield, attach mm. skull clamp to persistent nightmare, draw two cards, mm -hmm. cast startle the week again, mill the for 13, rinse and repeat. <laughs> wait, wait, how do how do you cast startle the week again though? How do you cast it again? Because when persistent nightmare, oh no, it's when it deals combat damage, damn it, I thought it was yeah. when it dies. Nah, sadly not. Oh shit, so I need to generate infinite combat steps first. Yep. Drash. And you also have to somehow give it haste, give it haste in order to... Oh, that's yep. fine. We always assume that Lightning Greaves is in play. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy commander players. Yeah. <laughs> so we need infinite mana, infinite combat steps. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's tough. But regardless, it's really cool. And if nothing else, yeah. I think it deserves a bit of attention. <laughs> the art's also very pretty. The art is so. very pretty. Uh, and... I really like this. They do this very well, I think, on the shadows over Innistrad and the Innistrad flip cards in general, where it's mm. you're getting the same scene from different perspectives. So Startle the Wake yep. depicts a woman being woken up by a ghost, and then Persistent Nightmare is the ghost perspective looking at the victim. Yeah, Very cool. Um, yeah, thanks. But right, I think that's a good I, I can't wait for us to go back to that. Oh, like, man. I need it. Innistrad <laughs> in a year and a half's time is going to be sweet. Um, but anyway, Rupert, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Probably, yeah. Absolutely. So, as usual, I've been Bengal Foil. I've been Rupert Flame. Thank you for listening. Indeed. Don't forget to tune in next week. Next week is going to be the Season 2 finale. So, after that, we're going to take a break for maybe a week or two and then just kind of brainstorm a couple episodes and all that fun stuff. Yeah. We would absolutely love it if you left a review for us on any of whatever podcast client you listen to. Mm -hmm. You can find us on a variety of podcast clients, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and whatever it is you're listening to us right now on. You can also reach out to us through our Anchor page, where we accept questions from listeners. You can also email us at thefrogdragon at gmail.com with questions. You can find sure us on thanks. Twitter at gitmizzet, G-I-T-M-I-Z-Z-E-T. You can find us on which under the same name and where else can you contact us i believe that is oh yeah we also have links to our website in the description if you want to look at things like our own cubes that we've made and just some notes from uh from previous episodes if you want the full show notes from all the episodes i would recommend you subscribe to our patreon just one dollar a month you get access to the show notes and mm -hmm. you also get access to our Discord. And at higher tiers, we devote episodes to our patrons critiquing their cubes. Mm. That's been quite a mouthful, but yeah. 
<laughs> we just appreciate y'all listening to us. We've actually had nothing but growth over this season, so we really appreciate every single one of you. Thank you very much. Indeed. And we will see you next week. See you then. <laughs>